Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danker and Ryan Huang with you. Right now, it's time for the bigger picture. And Ryan, you're still trying to answer the question, has inflation peaked? <laughs> I think this question will go on for quite some time. But we get answers as the days unfold. And tonight, we will get the CPI data up from the US. This is the Consumer Price Index. And it is the last big data point going into the FMC meeting next week. Let's unpack it with Vasu Menon. He is the Executive Director for Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Morning, Vasu. Good morning, Ryan. Vasu, great to have you on. Now, let's talk about what's coming up. We've got the US CPI numbers out tonight. What are you expecting? Has inflation indeed peaked? It's a million-dollar question, Ryan. And you'll see what happens tonight. But the market's expecting the inflation rate to come off further. It had come off from the June level of 9.1% to 8.5% in July. And the market is expecting the 8.5% number to come down further in August to 8%. That's a headline inflation number. Mm. But I think, you know, the Fed doesn't just look at the headline inflation number. And one reason why the headline inflation number is coming down is because commodity prices have eased. To some extent, oil prices have eased, and that brings the headline inflation number down. But if you take away food and energy and you look at the core inflation, that is expected to increase tonight. In other words, the inflation, core inflation rate was 5.9% in July. That's expected to go up to 6.1% in August. So I think, you know, the Fed is going to look at core inflation. The Fed is more worried about core inflation driven by the very tight labor market, uh, driven by, you know, still buoyant consumer spending. So I, my feel is that the Fed is not ready to take its foot off the pedal. It's probably still going to do 75 basis point when it meets next week because, you know, yeah, the headline inflation may be down, but core inflation is still not sufficiently down. And even if, you know, the inflation numbers come off slightly, it is not about whether it comes off slightly, but I think it's whether we on a clear downtrend towards the 2% Fed target. And I think there's no surety at this juncture. So the Fed will rather earn the side of caution and, you know, hike interest rates, at least in the short term, more aggressively to make sure they quell inflation. Yeah, but it does look like we have a lot of um, expectations that the Fed could do more and might do more. Um, and that seems to be supporting the US dollar in recent days and weeks. But there has been a bit of a breather just overnight in the past two days. What's your expectations of where the US dollar is going from here? And what is this going to mean for Asia? Okay, if you look at the US dollar since May of last year, the US dollar turned the corner around May of last year. And the US dollar index, which is basically the US dollar against a basket of currencies, has appreciated almost 21% since May of last year, since hitting a bottom in the May of last year. So that's a very big move for the US dollar. Will the US dollar go up another 20% from the current level? I think the answer probably is no, because I think in the last, you know, one year, one and a half years, the novelty was that, you know, the Fed is going to hike interest rates. Uh, and that has, you know, given the dollar a boost. But now what's happening is the ECB has jumped onto the bandwagon as well. They hike interest rates by 75 basis points. The Bank of England has already hiked rates by six times, and they're probably likely to hike rates even further in the coming months by another one and a half percent or so. So the other central banks are also starting to jump onto the bandwagon with the exception of the BOJ. And that, so that takes some of the novelty away from the Fed's hawkish stance, which has supported the dollar. So my view is the dollar is probably going to hit even higher, but it may not go up at the pace we've seen, you know, since May of last year. And you look at commodity currencies and all the talk about how there might be a recession, demand might be waning. What is this going to do for commodity currencies like the Australian dollar, New Zealand dollar, and to some extent the Canadian dollar? 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, if there is going to be a recession and it's going to be a bad recession, clearly it's going to, you know, commodity markets are going to take a hit and it will not be the best piece of news for, you know, commodity currencies. The other thing, of course, that drives the commodity currencies will also be what happens in China. Uh, you know, and so the market should be keeping a very close eye on the NPC uh, in China next month, October 16, when it begins, to see whether there are any indications that China will ease up on its zero COVID policy, whether there'll be more stimulus for the Chinese economy, because that's also a key driver of the commodity currency. So right now, the commodity currencies, I think the outlook is very hazy because, you know, as you said, the recession fears are there. The outlook for China is hazy. And, you know, so uh, a bit more room to be cautious. Yeah, and Vasu, talking about China, one of the headlines coming out is how U.S. President Joe Biden is planning next month to broaden curbs on U.S. shipments to China around semiconductors, pretty much trying to keep AI chips, advanced technology chips away from China. What is this going to do between uh, for these two countries and for the technology market for tech stocks? Well, you know, it is not the best piece of news for U.S. companies, especially the semiconductor companies in the U.S. doing business with China. So I guess, you know, companies potentially could be impacted are, you know, companies like NVIDIA, AMD, Applied Materials, LAM Research. That's all companies, you know, because, you know, they do business in China. And I think the idea here is, you know, this is a political move by the Biden administration to basically curb China's advance in the tech space by targeting technologies where the U.S. has dominance and upper hand. Okay, and they also want to make sure that these chips don't end up in Chinese hands because of national security reasons, because it could help to fuel the military modernization in China. So this is a political move that will have economic implications and corporate implications as well, without a doubt. Will this change overnight? Uh, No. I mean, this is a war, a a tech arms war between the U.S. and China. It's going to go on. And this is an extension of the Biden Chip and Science Act. He signed into law in August where the, the U.S. is going to invest a sizable amount of money to try and, you know, boost chip manufacturing in the U.S. So this is part of a wider move, uh, uh, economic war, if you can call it, against China. I think there's no letting up just yet. Yeah, as you pointed out, it has been dragging on for quite some time. In fact, uh, it has backfired when you think about how some of these tariffs on China are starting to be reviewed for potential uh, unwinding in future. We've been talking with Vasu Menon. He's the Executive Director for Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Vasu, thanks as always, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much, Ryan, for having me on the show, and have a good day. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.